Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I am very excited that you're joining us today. I got to tell you something. There are some days that I get up and I'm feeling pretty good. And today is one of those days I'm feeling extra good, extra special. Uh, today's wonderful. Actually, as as I recorded this show, uh, it just so happened to be my wife's birthday. So I want to give a shout out before we start with my wife's birthday today. This incredible lady has blessed my life over the last 17 years of us being married, but today is her birthday. So I'm going to give a special shout out to my wife, Yvette Mamie. Happy birthday, my dear. Love you very much. And excited that you are on this thriving journey with me, making it very special with all that you do. So today is your special day. Actually, Today will be the fourth special day as we air this show, <laughs> but you deserve every second of it, and I'm so thankful that you are sharing this birthday with me and, and your family, so once again, happy birthday. But that's one of the reasons why I'm excited today, but I'm excited also because we are on the cuspus of continuing to expand our show into new areas and new regions, and I want you to know that if this is your first time listening to our program, boy, you are in for a treat today, your hour of time invested for uh, thriving content will have great dividends, as you will quickly find out as we continue throughout the remaining of the show. But if you have not had a chance to listen to our prior program, then can I encourage you? There is good reason why our show is one of the hottest talk shows in town. There is good reason why you will find that many people are buzzing about the show and sharing the show with their friends and their colleagues and their co-workers. Heck, they're sharing the show with people they like and people they don't like. <laughs> it's because we've got a strong message that we deliver every week here on Sunday mornings at, at 10 a.m. Central on KLIF, but also caught as a replay broadcast on all of our social media platforms. So we're not hiding, folks, and we certainly are gathering an audience that is expanding globally. But you will find out why when you visit the jmamietalkshow.com website and click on to our archived episodes and begin to binge here like many of you keep texting me. I heard this episode. I heard that episode. This one was awesome. This one was great. Boy, I got good nuggets from this one. You will find out that you'll experience the same thing. Archived episodes at the jmamietalkshow.com. You'll find all of our prior episodes there, 60 of them, and each one of them you walk away with an amazing content that'll help you thrive in one area or another. So make sure you do that, thejmamietalkshow.com. And while you're online, anyhow, go over to thejmamie.com. There you will find all of my blogs, my videos, my content, my books. My book, Thrivology, continues to be an international bestseller and is making strong tractions here in the U.S. And we've only released it about six weeks ago. And I continue to get great feedback on that book. So thejmamie.com will give you a chance to see what else we've got going on there. And I encourage encourage you to send me emails and LinkedIn messages. Many of you continue to do that on a daily basis now with feedback and questions and commentary. And I appreciate everything that you're sharing with me because it allows me to continue to provide quality content. As such is the case, you know, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that we're starting our personal mission here, our show's mission and my personal theme to help you in 22. I said, okay, let's continue to deliver quality content that any listener could could make it a part of hopefully their early planning for a a successful 
Thriving 22. So we themed our last quarter of the year's shows programming to a thriving you in 22. And that is so that you can walk away with nuggets of wisdom. And they've been shared already these last couple of weeks, guys. And you can pick them up on the archives, as I mentioned earlier. But the content that we're delivering so that you can have a thriving brand new you in 22 will become available to you. So you can also find that content on our radio show. But today is going to be no different. Adding another layer of that thriving you in 22 theme is what you're going to find there. But you're also going to find that I am very, I'm very serious about helping people who want to help themselves. And one of the latest ways that I'm doing that is providing a way for those who are, let's just say, struggling or not at the at that level of competence and confidence that they feel in being able to communicate their content, whether it's in an organizational setting, in a sales setting, in a relationship setting, any way that you want to communicate your content where there's uh, there's the ability of sales involved, that you need selling skills involved. And let's be frank about it, right? Even if you're not in an entrepreneurial uh, business right now or, or, or in a sales profession or anything that involves any kind of selling, you have to be you, you have to come to the realization that anything you do in life involves a degree of selling, right? If you're trying to bring your point of view across effectively to the next person where they agree with it and in, and maybe transact business with you or get in alignment with you, then you have to have the skills of persuasion and the skills of of selling to some extent. And not only that, it makes you a better communicator, right? Well, my Thrive Sales Mastery Course is part of a thriving you in 22. If you're not experiencing what you want to experience in your ability to sell better, in your ability to communicate better, in your ability to persuade others to your point of view, then one of the things that you will have to do if thriving in 2022 is important, you're going to have to get better at those skills. So the Thrive Sales Mastery Course now is launching. By the time that you hear this show, my friends, our program has officially launched. We've talked about it for many, many weeks. I encourage you to go to the thrivesalesmastery.com website. You're going to be very impressed with the content that we are providing in that course. It's going to be a part of a thriving you in 22. I can't encourage you enough. It's our latest project. I'm so excited about it because I know it's going to change the lives of so many people that are frustrated because they're not getting the results they want to have. They're not experiencing the results they want to experience in this world of persuasion, in the world of sales, in the world of selling. And I encourage you, go to the website. You'll find that you'll you'll like what you're going to see. And, and more and more importantly, take advantage of it. Give it a shot. Try it out for six to eight months. And if it doesn't help you, then you've walked away with learning a few things and maybe spend a few bucks. But you're all the better for it because you've tried. Now, I want to talk about something very important here as we come to our segment close and bring up our first guest. 2022 is going to require of you to shed. I was having a conversation with someone the other day about the concept of shedding. Shedding, you know, when you shed hair and you shed weight and that kind of stuff. Well, let's expand that a little bit. If we're going to talk about thriving you in 22 then let's talk about some things that you have to shed. And I hope that right now you are going to consider 
even though we're 80 days out of a new year or so, that you're going to consider what am I going to shed if I'm going to thrive in 22? If it's going to be a new you in 22, what am I going to shed? Well, let's talk about some things that I encourage you to consider shedding because I'm doing an introspective uh, look in my life and what do I need to shed? Well, let's talk about some things that I think are important. Number one, let's talk about weight. Yeah, obviously shedding weight is important. Feeling better about yourself and having a sense of wellness, uh, of wellness rather, and health is important. So you may need to consider shedding some pounds. <laughs> That's a thriving you in 22. But let's talk about also what are the other things that you need to shed? Let's talk about shedding some bad habits. What bad habits are you carrying right now that you know that you need to shed? You need to leave them behind in 21. 22 cannot find yourself still carrying those bad habits. And boy, we could spend an hour on bad habits, right? Probably spend an afternoon talking about bad habits that you have to shed. But I think if you are in tune with who you are, you know what those bad habits are. You've got to shed them. If you're going to thrive in 22, then you've got to shed those bad habits. Let me tell you something else that you may not want to hear you're probably going to have to shed some people. (laughs) You're going to have to shed relationships that don't serve you. You're going to have to shed some of those contacts that don't bring you any value. In fact, some of those relationships, some of those people, they're toxic. You're going to have to shed those if you're going to thrive in 22. You're going to have to shed those bad habits and those bad attitudes, rather. If you already are shedding things that don't serve you, then might as well shed those bad attitudes, those negative thoughts, the, the way that you are, your outlook, you need to shed that if you're going to thrive in 22. Those bad habits, bad attitudes, bad people, they got to go. Let me give you something else that has to be shed. If you're in a terrible work environment and you need to switch jobs, let me give you some hard advice. Then you may have to shed that job. That doesn't mean you do it without wisdom. It doesn't mean that you do it without risk management and make sure that you plan it out. But if you're miserable where you work and you're miserable in that environment, then how long do you want to hang out with those folks? How long do you want to be in that environment? That needs to be shed. You may have to shed your work environment. Here's the last thing I believe you may have to shed. If you are a poor planner, if you're a procrastinator, you're going to have to shed that. See, thriving requires you to shed those things that are going to drag you down. And if thriving in 22 is your purpose, it's your goal, it's what you feel your next chapter of your life is is calling you to be, then there's some things you're going to have to shed. Folks, the rest of the show, it's only getting better. I appreciate being on. We're going to come right back after the break with our first guest. Hey, everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I just want you to know that my book, my 10th book, is finally available, Thrivology, action-stoking and thought-provoking quotes and phrases is now available for your purchasing pleasure. This book has already making tidal waves among those who appreciate content that is driven to give you a thrive-minded mentality and also reminders throughout the course of the week of the things you need to do to thrive. Guys, you can pick up my book, Thrivology, at thejmaney.com. Hi, my name is Alicia Bush, and I'm the founder of Treasured Vessels Foundation right here in Dallas, Texas. TVF is an anti-trafficking organization devoted to providing a long-term safe place for healing and growth to individuals impacted by trauma from exploitation and sex trafficking. We provide food, shelter, education, and mental health care for survivors. Check us out at treasuredvesselsfoundation.org. 
That website again is treasuredvesselsfoundation.org. Cash Call Mortgage is a DBA of Impact Mortgage Corp. NMLS ID 128231. Not all applicants will qualify. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions or visit cashcallmortgage.com. Economists predict interest rates could go up as early as November. That's not great news for people who've been putting off refinancing their mortgage. If your mortgage rate isn't in the twos, let Cash Call Mortgage come to the rescue. Go to CashCallMortgage.com to see their rates or give Cash Call Mortgage a call and find out just how low your payment could be with a mortgage rate in the twos. Interest rates could go up as early as next month. Don't miss this chance to get a low mortgage rate in the twos. Imagine what you could do with that extra cash every month. For a free quote to see if you qualify, go to CashCallMortgage.com or call us today. Call 800-743-4011. That's 800-743-4011. 800-743-4011. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Guys, we are looking right now to launch our next segment with one of the individuals who I've had a chance to, to meet about 10 years ago. And, man, you know, there's very few people that you meet that make an impact in your life right away. I mean, it, it takes time for someone to make an impact if they make any impact at all. But it's very rare that someone makes an impact almost immediately. And you just know when you hear their voice, when you meet them, that, man, this person's got something to offer the world, something that is going to bring value to my life. And and that was Kevin Mullins for me when I met him 10 years ago. And we've had a chance now to collaborate on a few different things over the course of the last decade. And I am blessed to have this brother in my life. And again, as I was putting together my list of guests for the show in the first 90 days of programming, I said, I need to get Brother Kevin Mullins on the show. And you'll see in a few minutes why, as I mentioned earlier, he's a famed preacher, he's a multiple author, global entrepreneur, he's an empowerment specialist, he's an actor, movie producer, the executive producer of the blockbuster movie Canal Canal Street and, and restored me from a couple of years ago. And the guy certainly has a lot to say about facing failure in a positive way with his experience uh, over the last 30 years of his entrepreneurial existence uh, and ministry experience as well. So, Kevin, man, we love having you on the show, brother. Welcome to the show. Man, Jay, it is always a privilege, and I got to tell you, man, I appreciate the electricity and energy that always resonates from your voice. So I feel the same way about you, man. I am, I am ready. I'm geared up, and I'm ready to empower some people, brother. Wonderful, wonderful. We've got a, a massive listening audience today. So the first thing I think that is important is for for my audience and those who don't know Kevin Mullins to know a little bit about you, a little bit about your story. So can you share your story with us? You know, if you saw me today, Jay, uh, wherever, whether it be in church or whether it be on a movie set or, you know, whether it be in a a leadership symposium or conference, I don't know that you would have, you know, uh, thought that that the Kevin Mullins 30 or 40 years ago could be the one he is today. You know, I was raised in a pretty uh, conservative home, Uh, uh, grew up, uh, I would say, very poor and I always want to make a, a, a suggestion or a statement that when I say poor or very conservative, I don't mean unhappy, man. I had an incredible mom and dad uh, that never stopped me from dreaming big. And But, you know, we didn't have anything, just lived in a little trailer home in, a, uh, in the panhandle of Florida. And But I grew up in a home where my mom and dad encouraged uh, dreaming, uh, even though they might have been limited in theirs. They never, you know, was against me, you know, thinking big, although sometimes I think in my younger days it might have got me in trouble. But 
I share that with you because, um, you know, I had ideas of playing professional sports. I had a, some baseball scholarships and stuff, and I really thought kind of that was the direction I was going. But, you know, I think sometimes life, man, or in my case, uh, I'm very spiritual in nature. I think God sometimes has a different plan for you, maybe a different map for you. And uh, ultimately, I ended up getting married really, really early. Man, I was 19. My wife was 16. We Ooh. were celebrating uh, 30 years this year, actually, Jay. Congrats. So, uh at a very early age, my dad was never necessarily a large business owner, uh, didn't come from any money, was a very gifted individual with his hands. And so my grandfather was a plumbing contractor. My dad was a plumbing contractor. I think it was in my DNA, man. I was, you know, I was destined to unstop toilets. And um, <laughs> I, I, I hated plumbing, Jay. I didn't like it. But also I was married, man. And, you know, I, and, and so I was, I, I was raised in the home of someone that understood that particular blue collar field. And so I went into that field and became a, you know, a traditional small business owner. And uh, I also ended up pastoring full-time for about 18 years. So pastoring full-time, uh, eventually having three boys, uh, you know, being in the construction world. And then, you know, I'll tell this part of my story and then give it back to you and we'll proceed on with the call. And that is, you know, life has a way sometimes of demanding things out of you that you didn't know existed. I always say that when you're facing hardship, and you look back over the dream that was deposited in your life, the vision that, you know, gets you up every single day and compels you to move forward. You know, I always say that God doesn't demand anything out of you that he didn't place in you. And so I knew that there was something bigger for me, Jay. I, I, but, but I come from such a small town. There's only about 1,400 people that live in the city that I, that I was raised my whole entire life in. And so if you'd have told me that one day we would be, you know, building a, a global network marketing team and changing lives all over the world, I didn't know anybody that did that kind of stuff. So therefore that dream was in me. I, I knew God had a global calling in my life. You know, I've always said for the spiritual people listening, you know, that the Bible says we're, you know, salt of the earth, not salt of Dallas, Texas or salt of Tallahassee, Florida, salt mm. of the earth, light of the world, you know, so that that's a, that's a global destiny. And yet I didn't know how that would happen. And so the one thing that I was very comfortable with was I was very skilled at what I did, very comfortable at what I did. But the 2006 and seven recession, brother, rocked my world, man. It threw my entire life into a state of, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it threw my life into a, a state of chaos. And that really shut a door for me. And that's where I think sometimes, once again, uh, failure or mistakes are in so, so many cases, as we look at 2020, uh, sometimes when we look at struggle head on, we look at, you know, those valleys that we're going through, it seems very bleak, right? It seems, it seems like uh, life is uh, too overwhelming and frustrating to even see light at the end of the tunnel. But I believe it's in those moments that we learn new skills or that we're pushed into those, dis those, those areas of discomfort. And we know uh, that discomfort is the prerequisite to growth. And it was in that season of discomfort that I began to dial in to another portion of my life. And that was the ability to help people, to empower people. People, to build teams of people all over the world and ultimately create financial freedom and empower others to do the exact same thing. And that leads us to this call today, Jay. I wouldn't be on this call if it wouldn't have been for many hardships along the way that ultimately became the catalyst to whatever success that I've encompassed up to this point. Yeah, that's just an amazing turnaround story. Uh, and we're going to dive into that. But you said something that was key. You said you, when you, back in 2007, 2008, when I'm sure you were probably blindsided like many were during that time and what was working was no longer working. Uh, at that point, I'm sure that you had to make a strong pivot 
but you relied on something that I'm sure you had already inside, not only your, your faith that, that you were destined to do something great, but, but by that time you had acquired certain skills that you know you could, you could tap those skills and reinvent yourself and pursue a new avenue of success. So that, that almost seemingly experience of failure actually is what forced you to pivot to do something different. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, it's kind of like failure. You talked about failure. I mean, failure is inevitable, right? There's not a person on planet Earth that's not going to fail. We can spend an entire life trying to avoid risk, new opportunity, uh, you know, in, in embracing, extending our network or whatever, you know, whatever new may be to anybody that's listening to the call today. Uh, but how we handle failure is is ultimately the thing, you know, that I say qualifies or disqualifies you for some of the great opportunities that are awaiting you. You know, I think we have to look at failure and de- and, and, and determine what that means to us individually, right? I think for an entrepreneur, you know, failure is our greatest teacher. And I think that's where adaptability comes in, Jay, because I think adaptability for anybody that is pursuing their God dream or anybody that's an entrepreneur or a business person, you look at so many businesses that are closing down today, the ones that are successful are the ones that understand clearly that adaptability is our competitive advantage. And that, I think, is rooted in previous failures. Mm-hmm. Because to me, failure, uh, uh, you know, to me, failure is just discovery. I, I really, you know, I, I don't want to say failure doesn't exist because I think that overstates the obvious. And there's obviously so many books written on the idea of failure. But I think when you can view failure through the perspective of discovery, I think then you can look at it as an incredible teacher to give you the proper insight into moving forward. And, and, and with that no fear attitude, recognizing that what I'm doing is cutting edge, what I'm doing is innovative, what I'm doing is outside of my comfort zone. So I know that there is a large, uh, you know, percentage that says I, I'm, I may fail at this. I, I, I may fall on my face. But instead of looking at it as a mark against my creativity or as a as a mark against my ability to succeed, I look at it as once again, maybe as a redirector is the ability to pivot and say, this didn't work. So what can I better do in order to serve my purpose, serve my destiny? And I think as, as I turn this back to you, I think that's what failure ultimately ends up becoming is failure also equals opportunity, Jay. Failure equals opportunity. And the opportunity is the opportunity to learn something I didn't previously know. The opportunity to figure out new resolution for a situation that I'm now confronted with that may be overwhelming and frustrating and defeating me in this current moment, but it also is an incredible opportunity to find a different way to get something done. So when we go back and read the story of a Steve Jobs or a Walt Disney or uh, an Oprah Winfrey, you know, or a uh, Richard Branson, there seems to be a pattern, right? I've always said when you study the patterns or the habits of successful people, especially billionaires, there seems to be this glaring pattern that's interwoven in the fabric of their very being. And I think that's that ambitious tenacity, resilience, maybe the better word is perseverance, to understand that failure is discovery, failure is teacher, failure ultimately is also opportunity, and that opportunity presents itself in such a way to become the person that is necessary in order for you to truly walk in your kingdom assignment. Hey, Kevin, man, I tell you what, I could end the show right now, and it's been a good show. (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes you can hear a person talk, whether it's a conference, an event, and they can go on for an hour and hours and hours. And I'm sure you've been at many of those conferences and meetings and you walk away asking yourself, now, I'm probably not going to get my time back. So why did I sit through this? 
I know I've been to those type of meetings. And then sometimes within five minutes, you can get as much power as if you were sitting and listening to something for five weeks, brother, and you just gave that to us right now. When we come back after the break, Kevin, I want to ask you, in your experience, because not only are you are uh, an author and a producer and all of these wonderful things you do in the entertainment world and the value add world, but you're a builder of people. So in your experience in building people and dealing with people of all walks of life, so many years, I want you to ask, I want, to, I want you to help us answer the question, why do you find that people embrace failure as a dead end? Why do people embrace failure as a dead end? When we come back after the break, that's my first question for you. Is that fair? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, brother. We'll be back after the break, guys. Have you ever hired the wrong person? Did the resume give you the impression they would be a good fit because of their past accomplishments? I'm Cody Robinson, founder of Robinson Interview Consultants. We help employers reduce turnover, thus saving time and money through the screening and interview process. Utilizing proper question formulation and response interpretation, we identify candidates whose character and behaviors align with your vision, values, and culture. Check us out at interviewexperts.com for a complimentary review of your hiring practices. That's interviewexperts.com. Does your company have a decision-making process that is repeatable, reliable, and consistent? Hello, my name is Gerard Ibarra. I'm a consultant, author, and speaker. I teach companies how to make better decisions. With my process, companies become more efficient, get buy-in from the stakeholders, keeps their emotions at bay, and make better decisions for the overall benefit of the company. Contact me today at G-E-R-A-R-D-I-B-A-R-R-A.com, GerardIbarra.com, to learn more and receive a free 30-minute consultation. The Delta variant is here. Hospitals are filling up and thousands of people are being infected with a new, more dangerous variant of the COVID-19 virus. Do your part. Get a vaccine today. It's safe, effective, and our best chance at getting things back to normal. Vaccines are available at your neighborhood pharmacy or see vaccine locations at our website at klif.com. Do your part. Get vaccinated today. If you're like most people, you're probably more than a little concerned about the state of the world around us today. Strange times. The stock market all-time highs every day. U.S. debt never been higher right now. Dollars losing value. And let's not forget about inflation, the highest since 2008. Remember what happened in 2008. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, many people, just like you, are turning to Old Faithful to protect themselves during these difficult times. And Old Faithful is real gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group, the kind you can actually hold in your hands and have in your IRA. No better time than the present to protect your future and the future of your family. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-928-GOLD. They will send you their free guide on investing in gold and silver and answer all of your questions. Protect your money before things get even worse out there. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-928-GOLD. Oxford is here to help you protect your savings and retirement. That's 833-928-GOLD. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We are talking with Kevin Mullins. Kevin, in your experience, as we left off in our last segment, working with so many folks from so many, for so many reasons over so many years, folks from all different walks of life with all different intentions and motivations, why do you find, though, that people are so quick to embrace failure as a dead end? Man, it's a great question. You know, I've had the ability, especially uh, uh, once again in the network marketing industry, I've got a team that's probably, you know, 50 or 60,000 people. And it's amazing to mm. me because 
you know, you're, 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 you're dealing with people um, in the season of life that they're in. And yet when people embark upon any kind of new opportunity, whether it's setting goals at the beginning of the year or it's a business adventure or now so many people obviously looking for a way to offset loss of income or replace it. You know, I think the, the number one thing, right, man, is, is this thing we call fear and it's fear, fear of, uh, of rejection, fear of failure. So I think the idea of failure as it relates to people comes from uh, uh, either learned experience or learned behaviors and then some of their personal ones. What I mean by learned behaviors is, you know, we, we depending on the type of home that you're raised in, so many people are raised in a home where, uh, you know, when you fail at something, it's considered bad or it's uh, it's considered, you know, punishable. And I think if you're raised in an environment, you know, you think about school, uh, we're such a checks, you know, like A's and F's type of system that we live in, especially here in America, that, you know, if you're that D student or that C student, you know, think about how many entrepreneurs you knew that made all D's or C's or failed out of high school, much less college, and you read about that over and over and over, and there's this like systematic, you know, sort of program out there that you begin to learn that 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 it's painful to experience what one might call failure, right? Whether that's rejection, whether that's a failed business, whether it's failed marriages, relationships, whatever that may look like for the individual. And so I think for people, ultimately, it starts once again internal. It's getting a person to reflect and look back on, you know, why in the worst and so afraid to, like, you know, go for something. Something. What what makes one person you know face you know those lions you know in the room head on and another person man are 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 cowarding down from facing those Goliaths that are necessary uh, necessary and also you know you know running an empire and I think it starts probably somewhere down the road in our childhood where you know maybe it was frowned upon to do something and to not do it very good and little by little you just begin to remove uh, anything in your life that you don't feel skilled at or qualified or feel like your chances of succeeding are very high, yet we know that the people that really make a difference in the world are disruptors. They're, uh, you know, they're very progressive and so innovative and controversial that what they do almost seems, you know, banned or outlawed or crazy until it ultimately becomes, you know, uh, you know, an incredible wealth producing machine that we all fall in love with, but at the time might have been completely out of the ordinary. So I, I think in order to move from ordinary to extraordinary, right, we have to learn how to view failure under a new lens. And my entire job when I sit down with teams of people, whether it's a, you know, a mastermind group with a a select group of people that are fully committed or whether I'm in an audience of, you know, 10,000 people, I want to, I want to, I want to reach down into the heart of an individual and to make them fall back in love again with that dream, right? I call it a God dream, that thing that you can't surrender, that thing that is uh, uh, inevitable, that thing that is irrevocable in your life wakes you up. You know, it's, it's, it's prodding you on a continual basis to get out of your comfort zone, go for something, and reconnect people with that so that once again, they'll look at the circumstances standing in front of them and begin to identify that the thing that they fear is also the path in order to obtaining the thing that they say they want the worst in life. And so I think we all deal with failure. We all deal with that fear of failure. I think it's it's about once again reprogramming the mind to understand that if you dwell on the adverse, right? If you dwell on the negative aspect of failure long enough, you're never going to get around to doing anything positive in life. Mm-hmm. But if you can sort of reprogram that 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 switch in your mind, right? That word pivot that you used, and just simply review it from a necessary tool in the pursuit of success, or like I said look at it as discovery instead of failure, what you may look at 
is once again the, the most incredible path to accomplish in anything meaningful and not just successful, because that word is overused, but also significant. In order to be significant in life, where your life serves as the reference point or the standard in which others can look to and say, because Jay did it, so can I, mm. it's, it's that relatable vulnerability transparency, authenticity to say, I too am failing on a consistent basis. The only difference is I understand that in order for me to become the person that I'm called to be, failure is not the opposite of success, it's merely a part of success. You know, Kevin, you said something real key there. I mean, a a number of things you said that were so key um, that I I really hope our listeners are taking good notes. And you're you're famous for saying that uh, note takers are money makers. (laughs) Well, I want to add to that, that uh, note takers are action takers and action takers are impact makers. So I think that's sort of a a bridge between what you say and what I say. But at the end of the day, man, it is the actual truth, brother. Now, from your personal experience, from your personal experience, I'd like for you to share, because it's one thing to to speak panoramically, right, in in very general terms. But I know that I can point out to my own uh, personal experiences of failure and what that has specifically taught me about success. Now, I know failure and success, oftentimes, that's an oxymoron. And people think that failure and success shouldn't live on the same street. But failure and success are neighbors, if you know how to shake hands. So, what has a personal failure of yours taught you about what Kevin needs to do to be successful? Um, you know, I, I think maybe the way I'll approach this question, Jay, and it's a great question, is my journey is that failure is, is I think, necessary also in keeping us very humble. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because I think sometimes... And I've had moments, right, where you, 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 you're ascending. I mean, everything seems to be clicking. And we know that, that, that there has to be a pruning in order for the tree to really be a productive fruit-bearing tree. It's in that season that we, no one wants to talk about pruning. No one wants to really talk about adversity being a good thing. I mean, we're trying to avoid hardship in the spiritual world. You know, I often say that a lot of people spend a, a, a bulk of their prayer time asking God to remove the hardship in their life. And yet God is trying to use the hardship. To, 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 hope, to, to help you become the person that is necessary for you to handle the weight of the success, the weight of the money, the weight of the accolades or the rewards or the benefits that, that you know, that, that I think God is wanting to bring you. But if you can't handle, you know, I always say, if you can't handle $1,000, a million dollars would crush you. So it's also about learning those, those, those seasons of growth and with growth comes pain. So for me, I think it's, it's, it's failure and, 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 and remaining humble, meaning that when you're on that mountaintop, none of those experiences last forever. And so, you, you know, it's become, it's become very clear to me that how I handle the lows also determines how I handle the highs. And me, that's humility. Mm. You know, we love comeback stories in America, but I think one of the reasons we do is because secretly, even though we may not be the person on stage winning the Grammy or the Oscar or the person that overcome an addiction or, you know, a, a, a complete meltdown, we're, we're, we love when people repent of that publicly or when people admit that there's those faults and failures, we resonate with that. That's why storytelling is the language of wealthy people, because when we can connect, you know, our, our vulnerable seasons with people, we become more believable 
capable. We become more trusted because it's in those moments we realize that the person that we're following, the person that we're collaborating and connecting with, that their heart beats a lot like ours does. Yeah, they may be on a different level because they've learned to discipline their emotions. They've learned to adapt very well, but it was in those low moments that it also continually kept them very humble. And for me, that humility is understanding that the success seasons of life, those those pair out moments where you're, you know, on top of the summit that, you know, always say that if the valley is the gateway to the mountaintop experience, no one can live on the mountaintop, Jay, because the air is very thin up there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you, you can live up there. <laughs> yeah, you'd pass out, but it's an incredible view. It's an incredible, you know, pinnacle in your life where you've obtained a certain uh, visual, uh, you know, uh, in other words, visualization of your future that you can't see in the valley. But at the same time, you've got to leave that valley and go right back down through, an, I mean, that mountain right back down through another valley in order to get to a higher mountain. And so I just want to remind the listeners that as you're pursuing whatever success is to you in life, um, that, that, that to me, I think the greatest thing for Kevin Mullins is just, you know, learning to be humble in the process. And also, I think, to be very patient with other people, because it's easy if you're on, you know, stage, you know, you know, if you're, you know, you're on level eight in your life and the person that you're mentoring is on level two or three, they just haven't quite reached your level of, of, of maturity yet in handling crisis. So I think it's also learning a little bit of patience. And when we look, you know, even at the world today, you know, uh, because I'm in, in and out of a lot of church environments, you know, think about most churches until recently with, with, with some situations haven't really had church in physically, right, with, you know, a thousand people or 10,000 people in their audience since, say, January, early February. Now, this is more spiritual, Jay, but it's almost like even God is saying, I don't need your church, you know, to grow, to grow my mm-hmm. group, to grow my tribe. In other words, it's not that pastors are not humble, but it's easy sometimes to get called up and having 2,000 people come here. You speak on a Sunday morning and think maybe that's something that you've built. Right. And so I think, I think in moments like this, you know, it takes you down to square one and it says, hey, the other thing that failure does is it reminds me to never stop growing, to never stop reaching, because whatever I think my best is, it would be very advantageous for me to remember that God has not did his best in my past. You know, you said somewhere what I was going to share with you about my experience. I know that for me, one of the persons to be patient because success will come, but sometimes success requires you to be patient. As you said, it's got to come in at the right season. And boy, failure has taught me in a number of times and a number of different situations. Hit the pause button. Take some time. Think it over. Be patient. Acquire wisdom. Get around some people that's, that, that can pour uh, additional resources into your dream, into your ambition, into your goal, because without that, you're going to fail. And boy, uh, listening to that advice, had I listened to it, I'm sure I would have avoided and absolved myself of that painful moment. But it's taught me patience. Kevin, the future holds a lot for you. I know that. Um you're not someone that is ever going to sit still. You mentioned earlier you've got a book out. So in our last few uh, moments together, what what does the future hold for Kevin? And, and what's this new book about as well? Yeah, so my, my newest book is a, a book called As It Is in Heaven. So it comes from the Lord's Prayer, right? On earth uh, as it is in heaven. And it really is just a, a, a biblical almost mandate to uh, compel uh, others to recognize that here on earth, we have an undeniable uh, obligation to be caretakers 
of not just earth, but humanity, meaning that there's some responsibilities that we must attest to that we're going to have to give an account for. And that's, you know, obviously loving others. That's also making sure that we manage and multiply the talents and gifts that God has deposited into each and every one of our lives so that we become the type of people that upgrade every atmosphere that we enter, that because we were there, it was better. So, you know, when you say, what is the future for Kevin? Everything to me, man, really is about helping people discover and, and, and to develop everything that God has deposited in their life. I think our greatest asset we have here in America that we have in the world is, you know, sitting somewhere in a school or possibly in a homeless shelter. Our greatest asset is people. It's also where the greatest ideas often uh, go undeveloped because one, fear uh, to execute the, the strategies that God gives us, or two, people dying with life-altering, world-changing ideas that they were too fearful to ever share or to bring to life. I want to make sure that I collaborate with people like you, Jason, that we continue to make sure that we spread the airways with the most positive and uplifting messages so, 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 so that somewhere in life, another person, right, that ill destiny inside of you will hear the scream from another eagle and say, wait a minute, my tribe is out there calling for me from another dimension to rise up higher, embrace my destiny assignment on earth as an agent of change, and to make sure I leave this world in a better place than I found it. Well, brother, that right there wraps up our segment, and I'm going to share with you something, man. I believe, in, and you could take this as a prophetic word, brother, you can take it if you'd like to do that, but I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm declaring that you and I met 10 years ago for a greater purpose that has that's yet to be seen. But boy, we are on our way to to do something big together that's going to leave a, a major footprint on the world and uh, have a major impact on the lives of, of millions to come, not only in this generation and the next. And I think that is obvious with you and I meeting the way we've met the work that we've done together so far. And this is just another testimony, another indicative point of what's yet to come. So I appreciate you being on the show, brother. And uh, when you are in Dallas, look me up. We'll go out. We'll grab some time together. And we're definitely going to have you back on the show in the future. But this time, we'll do it live in studio. Fair enough? Thank, thank you, Jay. God bless you, buddy. God bless you too, brother. Take care. You probably only think about insurance when you need it. But at Higginbotham, we have insurance specialists thinking about your risks and how to cover them year-round. We start with listening and end with a custom solution that fits your needs and budget. Whether it's for your home, car, health, business, or employees, Higginbotham has you covered. Higginbotham is a place that leads with values, so your value leads. Hey everyone, Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to visit my merchandise store. You can find it at the jmamie.com. A number of my inspirational, thought-provoking, action-stoking phrases and quotes that have been so much in demand over the last four or five years now are available in print. You can print them on your favorite coffee mug, print them on a poster. Take my thrive-minded content with you wherever you go. Visit my store at thejmamie.com. Fruits and vegetables are integral to any healthy diet. But why do so few Americans actually eat the recommended servings of produce every day? Because it can be difficult to prepare that much produce daily. Even processes like juicing leave out pulp and other parts of the produce that are dense in nutrients you need to stay healthy. Balance of Nature is the best way you can get all of the recommended servings of fruits and vegetables every day without eating a mountain of produce. 
By taking Balance of Nature, you are giving your body all the nutrients it needs to increase your cell's vitality. Get the nutrition that can only be found in whole, natural fruits and vegetables by calling 1-800-246-8751 right now. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code DALLAS. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In the studio today, I'm excited about our Impact Spotlight. And before I announce our Impact Spotlight, I have to give you a little background on how I had a chance to meet Alicia Bush of Treasured Vessels Foundation. It, it just so happens that I was at an event a couple of weeks ago called You Can Live Again. It was a wonderful event. Awards were given that night. People that were uh, people that are making an incredible impact in the community were recognized. And as I was sitting in the audience there, I, I happened to hear Alicia come up and she spoke a little bit about her foundation. And I was so impressed with what she's doing and making an impact that I immediately tracked her down on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, we need to have her on the show to share her mission with our audience and beyond. But then as I was chatting with her earlier today, I found out that she is the spouse of a builder out here that we happened to speak with about a year and a half ago. And he had mentioned that his wife does nonprofit work. And I was so impressed by that that I told my wife back then, I said, you know, whoever that lady is, at some point in the future, I'm going to have her on the show because she's doing valuable work. And you'll see what that work is now as we dive into the segment. But here we are. That's how you know things are meant to be because I didn't know that she was the builder's wife. And yet I had her in mind about a year and a half ago to come on this show. And here we are. I meet her at an event or I hear her speak at an event a couple weeks ago. And uh, long story short, she's in the studio today. The founder and director of Treasured Vessels Foundation, Alicia Bush. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. So this is pretty amazing. I'm excited that you're here and you've got Morgan's in the studio to hear. Have Morgan say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we're having some fun here. And you've had some history with the actually with the radio station at some point. You were with the ticket at some point way back when you were sharing <laughs> yes. with us. Yes, way back when I had my days as a ticket chick. There you go. Yep. Okay, so she's not uh, she's no stranger to radio, and that's that's great. But before we dive into all the great things that you're doing, Alicia, I, I'd like for you to share a little bit about yourself because you've got an interesting story before the foundation, and I thought that was pretty impressive when I heard it. If you could share with our audience, that'd be awesome. Sure. So I'm a native Texan um, and I was in corporate America for 14 years. I love the healthcare space. I was in the operating room um, selling medical devices. I was very familiar with wearing a mask within the operating room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wasn't sure if that was what I was called to be doing. I was very successful at it. Um, I made a good income. I was a W-2-er of the family, carried the healthcare insurance and all the security when it comes to that field. And I just, I just kind of felt that tug on my heart to say, is this what I was created to do? If so, great. I love it. And I'm really good at it. Or if, if not, then I really want to do what I was created to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I resigned. Mm -hmm. And then I told my husband, in that order. Mm. Um, and <laughs> that's not always an approach I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just went on this journey to, to just ask the creator of the universe, uh, Jesus, why, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I uncovered was, was pretty miraculous. And, and, you know, I mean, that's a pretty bold question to ask is 
whatever it is, I'm open to it, whatever it is. And I I had no idea that it would lead us in the direction that we're in today. You know, it's amazing. I I interview Impact Spotlight uh, individuals often. And one of the common denominators that I find among them is, number one, they took a leap of faith. They stepped out in faith into the unknown, into the unpredictable. And uh, because they just knew that they were called to do something more. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. And uh, it's worked out for them beautifully. So obviously it's working out for you beautifully too. And it's not just you, it's those that you're serving, those that you're helping. And that's why you got the calling. You know, you, you, you could, certain people cannot be trusted with a call. You could. And that's why you got it. Okay. Uh, but what inspired you then to go in this direction? Well, I had gone to my husband and kind of, I had usually um, kind of drifted in the taboo topics, topics that are very uncomfortable. If everybody's um, one side of the pol- political spectrum, I'm going to be on the opposite side just to challenge the the thought mm-hmm. um, in conversation. And um, that always bothered my mother. She's like, what? <laughs> just go with the grain. Why do you have to go against the grain? <laughs> and, and um, so just asking that question, why um, often? And so I'd gone to my husband and said, I think I could do this. I think I could do that. And he looked at me and said, you know what? I believe that you can do any of those things. However, what are you going to do with your hands? And he lifted up his hands and he rubbed his fingers together. And he said, what are you going to do with your hands? Are you going to dig a well? Are you going to build a school? And we're international missionaries. So that's oftentimes what you see overseas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was just my prayer. And I said, I don't know if that's just the male part of him, or if that is the builder, just something tangible that you're going to build. And so that was my prayer. Lord, what am I going to do with my hands? And I woke up the next day, sat straight up out of bed, and I heard the voice of God say to me, you will build an aftercare facility for girls rescued from sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. So of course I looked to him and said, we will build an aftercare facility for girls rescued from sex trafficking. And we just knew Mm. at that moment, okay, this is what we're to do. I didn't know anything about trafficking. I hadn't been trafficked myself. Um, I, I wasn't sexually abused as a child or anything mm-hmm. that you would kind of say, oh, well, this this would be the reason why. It was just a supernatural step of faith to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Now let's go out and let's learn a little bit more about the problem, who we're going to serve, how mm-hmm. we're going to do this, what is a 501c3, mm-hmm. and um, just dive into a completely um, different uh, sector of of business, um, if you will, and jump into a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. he's a builder. I right. have a background in healthcare. I love people. And so that was a perfect partnership. Yeah. And you had the great foundation for it. I mean, more, most importantly, you had the support of your spouse, which is a big deal when you venture out. Sometimes spouses aren't the most uh, supportive and that becomes very difficult. But sex trafficking is a huge problem. Yes. Huge problem here, not only globally, but the, but as I'm understanding, a huge problem here locally in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, what are you finding are the biggest challenges that you're facing as part of the, the founder of Treasured Vessels Foundation? So when you start doing research and, and now find it on your radar to say, oh, wow, this is an issue. Mm-hmm. Texas ranks number two in the country at the time in 2016 when we started. And our numbers are really high in the U.S. and and it's the fastest growing business outside of the drug trafficking business. And so you just start going, surely everybody knows this. Um, and st- so to go out and to raise money to find out that 
people are not willing to raise money for a problem they didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the complexity of the issue, understanding what it looks like for an international to be trafficked versus someone domestically being trafficked and not only domestically, but right here in our own backyard. Right. And then how to serve them, how, how, what support do they actually need? What tools do they need? Um, what are the uh, red, what's the red tape for serving a child without their parents? Um, what does it look like to serve someone over the age of 18? What does that cost? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that for about four years of really diving in to um, learn what could we create, what was already created. If there was something, how can we um, use that as a, as a model? And we were finding out that there was a huge gap in the mental health support when it comes to having someone come into a home, into a shelter, and receiving 24 hours a day, seven days a week care. We have the legislative piece, we have the rescue piece, and we have all these other pieces to this puzzle. But this was a huge problem when someone is recovered and they're in the back of a cop car or a community member finds them um, at at a shelter or at a gas station and says, this is someone that needs help. And there was simply no place for them to go. Mm -hmm. And if they did go where they they were, people ask, oh, do you get them a job? Do you provide them a job and a place to live? There was so much more to this issue than getting them a Jesus and a GED. Mm-hmm. There was a mental health component. If you're not healthy mentally, how can we expect them to have sustainable results out in the community as leaders? So human sex trafficking is a big, big problem. Um, but I don't think people understand how big it is. And it's one of those things where we know it exists, but the challenge is because everyone gets tied up and, and busy with their own lives. It's a, it's a news clip that people, and they agree, oh, this is, uh, it's a bad thing, and then they stick their heads back in their sand. Uh, they don't understand the, the gravity of, the, of that problem. Based on what you know and your observation and, and the studies you've, uh, you've, you've done, how grave, how serious is that a problem? And again, right here in our own backyard in Dallas. Well, we have a demand issue because we have a supply issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can all understand supply and demand. If there, if there was no demand, there would be no traffickers to need to fulfill um, that demand with the supply. So there's a, we are, our country as, as, as the United States of America, we are the largest distributor of child pornography in the world. Wow. And people ask, how is that relative to human trafficking? What well, has everything to do um, with slavery? It has everything to do. It's just that, that gateway drug, if you will, to eventually ending up on the further end of the spectrum where now we are paying for sex. And our legislators as of September 1st in the state of Texas just said that we, if you solicit sex in the state of Texas, you, it is now gone from a misdemeanor to a felony. Mm. So clearly, we all see in the state of Texas that this is an issue, right. that Dallas now has moved to number one in the country as the busiest human trafficking city in the nation. And, and we should all be looking at ourselves saying, how am I a part of this problem? How can I be a part of the solution and not perpetuating this issue Texas was ranking number two back and forth between California and us. Um, The governor reported back in 2017 that there are 79,000 minors and youth that's ages 10 to 24 years old that are victims of sex trafficking. 400 underage girls are being sold for sex every single night in Dallas. Wow. And that was a study in 2011. Oh, wow. That's a bad, you know, numbers like that really become sobering because it just highlights how bad the problem is. But let's talk a little bit about, and by the way, thanks for the, for you doing what you do, and that's why you're on the show. But what are the future plans here that you have to continue to expand Treasured Vessels Foundation? What's the plan? 
So we we put together a plan about for this for this next four years, and it continues to kind of morph into more. As just yesterday, Homeland Security reached out and said we have an individual that needs that needs a home, that needs a place to go. So now we have we are counting twenty eight victims that are out on the streets saying I'm ready for help. I am I'm asking for help, and we are saying we're on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. We're and and we just have no place for them to go. So we're growing and expanding. We have a four bed count. We're moving to a twelve bed count, and then eventually we're opening up a um, a home for minors. Oh wow! To be able to serve nine years old all the way up to um, twenty four. Um, that would be at the number of forty of mother minors and forty adults. We also are looking to open up um, a drop in center to where when those are not ready for a long term program, our program mm-hmm. is eighteen to twenty four months. Mm-hmm. That. They can come and have a drop-in center. They can get to know us a little bit better. They can build a little bit of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of an olive branch to them and also a medical outreach program so we can go out on the streets and we can beat the medical needs, short-term medical needs of those out on the streets. Again, just highlighting that there is an opportunity when and if they're res- ready to get out of the life, that there is hope. Mm-hmm. You've got a number of people supporting you already. In our last 30 seconds, who are those that are supporting you and how can our listening audience support you as well? Sure. So again, our architectural firm, they're putting together our conceptual plans for our campus for the 80. Mm-hmm. Yaku Boyens, I'd suggest that you follow him. He's a fellow abolitionist and um, Senator Angela and, and Attorney General Paxton do great work in this space as well. Local churches, small businesses, um, and we're solely supported by the community. No federal and state funding at this time. Okay. And how can we support your organization where can our listening audience go to continue to support what you're doing in any way we can treasured vessels foundation.org mm-hmm. um, forward slash donate or forward slash volunteer you'll see all the opportunities there we have events we have volunteer opportunities for you to come in and mentor our young ladies um, and then also just as simple as writing thank you cards Awesome. Well, you're doing fantastic work for the community and beyond, and you're one of these individuals that got the call and you answered. So I appreciate you for you for doing that. You always have an open mic here as you continue to expand the the, the vision of of T uh, T of, of Treasured Vessels I Foundation. Should have thought about that name before I am like. <laughs> that's okay. Every, it's a tongue twister. It's a tongue twister. Sure it is. But it's helping people, and that's what's most important. So you always have an open mic with us down the road. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Folks, that's a wrap for this week. Another fantastic episode of the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We will see you next Sunday morning for another hour of Thrive Time. Have a thriving week, everyone.